This is the After Hours Director's Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Dr. Matt Rowan, Director of Bands for the Pearl School District in Pearl, Mississippi, the 13th largest city in the state, located just east of Jackson. In this conversation, Dr. Rowan shares more ideas about how to help students who want to pursue a career in music education. This conversation was recorded March 2nd, 2022. It's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two. Matt, when when one of your students comes to you, and I'm sure you've had this conversation over your career, and they say, I I think I want to study music education. First off, I have to imagine that's a tremendous point of pride because message to me is that, hey, you have influenced me and I want to continue that influence through the next generation. What a compliment. But does that change um, perhaps the way you begin leading that student? Do you begin to try to expose them to the realities or let them taking on or seeing more of what the behind the scenes of being a music educator looks like? Does that change how you handle that student's development? Uh, absolutely. And there again, it's really individual based. I think, you know, we've had, we've been fortunate to have several, uh, I mean, myself included, come through the program here going way, way back um, that have become successful. And so I think if you can identify who that kid is, we've got one right now, uh, one in particular that's going to go on to study music and uh, hopefully become a great band director by the time it's all said and done. Uh, that student's well on their way to doing that, but when you if you can identify that early enough and kind of cultivate it, and then show them, hey, this is not all you know. You you need to show them the realities of the job so that they know what they're getting into before they jump into uh, a line of coursework and and a music load at college is totally different. And so I think that they have to really kind of understand what the job is on the front end uh, before they delve off into it in. in College, and that's not to say that they can't develop that over time by going going through a good college program. But I think that uh, a lot of people are successful if they again have a good foundation early on, so that they know what they're stepping into, so they have a clear direction when they get to college, and they have a clear pathway. Um, And I think also once you do that in college, I think uh, the student teaching aspect of the college experience is just as important uh by teaching in Oxford we had a student teacher uh almost every year if not multiple ones throughout the years and we've done the same here uh if a student wants to come student teach we very very rarely uh very rarely I don't know that I can ever really think of an instance where we've turned somebody away um because I always think we want to give the the student the best opportunity to be successful and to really show them the ins and outs of the job. And so we're careful with our student teachers to make sure that we show them all aspects of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and then try to, you know, provide them an experience to where that they can build on that and, again, develop that relationship so that when they get out into the real world, they can turn around and call you and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. I remember we kind of talked about this. Tell me again what I need to know and how I how I need to approach this or setting them up for a job interview, kind of guiding them uh, in, in that aspect, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's more than just the musicianship side of things. It's the it's the other aspects of the job that I, I think a lot of folks are not ready for when they first step into um, 
uh, an active band director role. Yeah, and and um, I imagine there's such a balancing act, whether it's with a current student or with a you know a student teacher, like you mentioned, because. You, you don't want to talk them out of being a band director, a music right. educator, but right. you also don't want to paint this false picture about, you know, look how wonderful this is. I spend all of my time on the podium teaching band with a baton in my hand, conducting the wind symphony at the high school. Right. Right. And, and that's a very small piece about, uh, you know, you I can kind of see you smiling a little bit over yeah. there. So it's a balancing act. I imagine. Absolutely. You know, um, two quick things. Number one, if, if to be serious about it, if they don't understand the hours involved and the fact that y- you as a young teacher will not probably be in charge of the, you know, if you're at a big program, you're probably not going to be in charge of the top group. Uh, if you go into a smaller program, you probably will be in charge of that top group and you're going to be in charge of everything else. And so just the, the utter amount of the being able to understand what the job entails at different places, you know, whether it's a big program versus a uh, small program, uh, just to understand what the job entails uh, and the different responsibilities that you would have at either one of those types of program. Um, You know, I was talking, we had had a, just got through teaching a clarinet and saxophone sectional before school this morning from 7.20 to about 8.10. And uh, one of the one of the students that was in there, he looked at me, and we, I was talking, they asked me, well, what time did you go home last night? I said, I went home at 8 o'clock last night. I said, we had a parent meeting, I said, because I met with your parent, and your parent, and your parent, and we talked about things. I said, I finally walked out of here at 8 o'clock, and he laughed, and he said, ha, huh, I thought you slept in your office. <laughs> you know, we had a good joke about that, but um, but that's the reality of it, is you've got to find a balance, and the, the students have to understand that. And then the young teacher needs to understand that, that you need to make sure that you have a balance in your life to where you're not spending every hour of the day up here, that you can organize your schedule to get done what you need to get done and go away. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you have all that handled and understand what goes into it so that you can handle the aspects of the job so that it doesn't overwhelm you at all levels. You know, I'm fortunate and been fortunate to work with good staffs of people. Uh, so I've never been a one-man show, and that's been a great thing, been blessed to work with good people and good colleagues. Um that were uh, very, very competent at their job. And, uh, you know, uh, here I don't have to worry about really, you know, uh, something else not getting done here. I know that we I work with competent people, and we've tried to instill that in everybody uh, so that they can handle, handle the students that we have and uh, handle that so that I can do my job, you know, um, and handle the, the other ends of the program. Um, but at the same time, I still try to make it over to the, to the middle school every day where I might not be in front of an ensemble day in and day out at that level. I, I try my best if they need help pulling a kid out or, you know, helping this and that or fixing a horn or uh, if I'm asked to do something over there, I try to do it, you know, and I think we all try to pitch in uh, to help one another at all levels. That's so I'm, I'm blessed to work with people. And I've, it's been that way everywhere I've worked. At both places I've worked, we've had good people to work with that wouldn't be afraid to help you out, you know, so that we all can get to the end of the road together uh, and to be able to balance our lives so that we can come back the next day and just be just as successful, you know. Um, and I think uh, I think young teachers need to know that. Yeah. So I, I know we have some college students that listen, and I know we have some a lot of young educators that listen to the podcast. And, you know, if, if there's a listener out there who might be thinking right now, hearing all of this, you know, 
I've always thought myself a musician, but but never a leader. You know, I wasn't I wasn't drum major of my band. Yep. Never really considered myself a leader. You know, what advice would you give them as they either get ready to graduate or just to begin that leadership thought process and that journey and to prepare them for what they're getting ready to face? Yeah, I, I think you said, you know, they've never considered their, themselves a leader. I think everybody needs to consider themselves a leader. I think you can, and this is a David Wilson thing, that you can be a leader. It doesn't matter where you stand in the scope of things. And I try to preach that to our kids, you know, if from the lowliest freshman, the bottom chair part to the top all-state player, I think everybody and everybody in between can be a leader. Uh, and I've tried to live my life that way. In all honesty, I've tried to, it doesn't matter what I've been given, I've tried to do the best out of it. There it goes, it goes back to doing your personal best at, uh, at, at whatever you've been assigned to do. Um, and, and I think if, if young teachers coming out especially will try to consider themselves a leader and just give their absolute best at whatever uh, they've been given, then they'll tend to be successful, you know, uh, and, and just try to approach it from a humble aspect, from a hard work aspect. That's not to say the job isn't hard work. I mean, I just talked about being here until 8 last night, and I was up teaching a clarinet section at 720, you know, this morning. And so I, I, it is hard work. There's no doubt. There's no uh, there's no substitute for that, I guess. But I think you couple that with the way the, the way you approach things um, and just having a, a mindset of I'm going to go at this and I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to find the answer. And if I don't know, here's the other other thing that's a, they're pretty paramount, is that if I don't know the answer, I'm not going to be scared to go find the answer or to ask somebody who's done it for an answer. Uh, I, I know in my career I have always, always, uh, I have not hesitated to ask for help when I didn't know something. And then... Uh, to to really honestly try to follow what they told me, um, like I said I, again, going back to mentorship, I think it's important that you have one of those, um, and I've had several. So you know, if I had a question about this or that, I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to one of those folks that have influenced me to say, hey, how do I handle this, or how do you, how did you do this? So finding somebody that has been successful at it, that here again, that you can have a good relationship with. And build some trust with, and not feel, uh, not feel, you know, hesitant about reaching out to them, you know, whether that's a somebody your own age or somebody older than you that's done it. It really doesn't matter. Um, just somebody that's successful at it, or that you trust and can have a relationship with to talk about it. I think we have more means in today's world to communicate with people more than we ever had. You know, it used to just be a telephone and now you got texting a cell phone the internet email and god knows what else uh just methods of communication that we can connect with. i mean just like we're talking to each other over a computer right here you know um, um and i think we have the pandemic somewhat to think for all that i think there's more ways now that we can communicate and reach out and be connected with other people that are successful uh in our profession to really to help others yeah well, and that's such a good lead into to you know my next question because I would love to unpack what mentorship the the influence that mentorship needs to play. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about the development of perhaps the current high school student and the college student and perhaps that first year band director, but mentorship is this I mean that's a long-term relationship. That's this long-term thing. And and there's there's so much I want to unpack with you. First off, Matt, I'm I'm sure it it would be easier for a listener to think, well, Matt, all that sounds good, but 
gosh, I mean, you graduated from David Wilson, and you had Nola Jones, and you have access to C. Barnett, and you had access to John Nixon, and all of these incredible educators in Mississippi. Of course, it's easy for you to, you know, find mentors, Matt, but what advice would you give somebody who perhaps doesn't feel like they have access to, just by circumstance, all of the people that you have had in, in your career thus far? That is a great, great question. And what I would encourage somebody in that boat to do, uh, if they don't know where to go, number one, I would start with their local, if we're talking from the band world, I would start with their local uh, clinic association, whatever it is, their local regional band association. In in North Mississippi, I know there's the I-55 Association, DeSoto County Association, the Northeast Association down here. We have the East Central, uh, and there's several different across the whole state. Uh, and probably in other states as well. So find a local, uh, we call it a clinic or a band director's association, whatever, that you can get involved in and show up to that. Go to the, sign up to judge something so that you get known, you get yourself out there, and you can make, relay, you can connect with somebody through that method, and then show up and go to a clinic. And then don't be scared to go and introduce yourself to somebody saying, hey, I am so-and-so from this place, and I'm teaching, and I want to know more about uh, what I can do to be better, and can you help me? Just Again, they're building relationships and not being scared to do that. Um, and, and then being visible and being active in what you're being asked to do. Go judge something. Uh, reach out to those around you. Form relationships with your people of your own age So that, because you're probably all fighting the same fight if you're a young teacher. Um, reach out to those uh, in the same boat you are. Uh, and then uh, find somebody. Uh, if it's through, like, uh, here we go again, Keith Sanders, another person that I've been great to know, you know, our, our famed AMRO rep and Keith has been a, a great influence on my life, and Keith has known and seen, you know, as being the store rep there for AMRO, has seen every kind of program and every kind of situation that there is, and just to be able to rely on his knowledge in that, and maybe not relying on Keith's knowledge, but relying on the knowledge of Keith to know somebody, you know, uh, to reach out to your music store rep and say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Could you put me in contact with somebody that can help me? Um, find ways to connect with people. If you don't know them, do not be scared to get out of your comfort zone. Go to that local clinic, even if you're not taking kids, and say, hey, I want to be involved in this. I'd like to bring my kids, but how can I be involved to help? Get involved to help, make relationships, and in turn, you get your name out there and you build relationships that you can rely on, uh, I guess, you know, throughout your career. Yeah. Matt, looking back at your career, when you've reached out, I mean, I got the impression that, that you were uh, comfortable doing that. Did anybody ever not respond to you or not help you when you reached out? I don't know that I've ever run into that, in all honesty. I think most most of the people that I felt comfortable reaching out to uh, were pretty much more than willing to, to help. Or if they didn't know, they would do the same thing. They'd reach out to somebody else and say, hey, go see, how about this person? If they couldn't handle it at the time, they would give me at least another pathway to go. So in, in that aspect, if they couldn't handle it, they were at least helpful in that to give me some direction and some guidance. So, and I think it's uh, important that we that we take that guidance and, and uh, rely on, you know, the, the experiences of others to uh, kind of form our own pathway. So I don't, I don't know that I've ever, um, I don't know that anybody's not ever helped when asked. 
Uh, I know from a personal standpoint, I try to help anybody that asks me. You know, if somebody calls me up wanting to help, uh, we through Phi Beta Mu have had a mentorship program, and we've tried to reach out to young directors to start that and uh, just to try to help others the best we can. And that's not to say that they will all the time because everybody has jobs, has their own things going on, jobs, family, and whatever else. But uh, I think most people that are successful in this business are more than willing to reach out or at least to give you some guidance uh, as to where to go to seek, seek answers. Well, and I, I kind of asked that as a loaded question because I, that was the answer I was expecting. And, and that's one of the things I respect so much about the music education community as an outsider is, hey, we can, we can be competitors, you know, on a, at a marching contest on Saturday. But outside of that, you know, I, I watch educators absolutely bend over backwards and drive across the state and help people to help help programs level up. And I just respect yep. the community so much. And so, you know, I was really asking that question to say, hey, if, if there's a young educator, you know, I would go out on a limb and say whoever you're reaching out to for help, they're probably going to respond and be willing to lend that help because that's just the community that, that you're a part of, a wonderful Yeah, you know, you hit on something there. I think most are willing to help. You know, we might be competitors. You know, that, that struck a, a thought in my mind. When the pandemic hit, when we got sent home for COVID and nobody knew what the world was going to be like whenever we returned to school, I remember uh, very distinctly we had a, after a week or two went by and we had, it was pretty evident that we weren't going to go back to school that year uh, and we were coming back in the fall not knowing how to approach things and what to do about marching band for the coming year or what to do about the end of the school year. How do we go about teaching our profession? Are we even going to have a job when we come back? Uh, I know that I, I reached out to you know some of my great friends across the state and we did it statewide. We had a Zoom call among some of the people that that I knew were going through the same thing. And we all sat down and said, okay, well, what's it like at your place? What's it like? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? And then we all kind of developed, say, okay, well, here's how we're going to proceed with that. Here's how we're thinking we're going to proceed. This is what our people are letting us do. See if it'll work for you. You know, just that, that atmosphere uh, in our profession is, 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 I think it's alive and well. And I, I think if we can, um, like you said, be competitors at, at one point, but at the same time want the best for everyone uh, in regards to our profession. I think that's where we've got to be. We all, we've all got to be in the same boat uh, as far as music education goes, or it's very, very easy, and it will get shoved under the rug and, and not be a, a, a thought in, in today's society. So I think we all have to be uh, on the same page there and advocating for, for the profession and for music education in general. Yeah, great, great thoughts. Well, Matt, as we approach the 50-minute mark, there's just really one more topic I would love to unpack with you. And, um, you know, I, I know at a program like Pearl, there can be a tremendous amount of expectations placed on your program to, you know, do this and to be here and to perform at a high level and to be successful and to do all of those things. Um, but I would just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, Kind of what your thoughts are on the the whole band experience. You know, what, what do you hope your students get out of the program, and perhaps what are some of the boundaries that we need to set in place to ensure that our students have that well-rounded band experience, and we don't lean one way or another too much. Uh, that is a great question. I think boundaries is a great word. You know, um, we do here. We set high expectations for our kids in whatever we choose to do. Uh, and that's not just in the band world, that's in everything school-wide and district-wide. I think we try to set high expectations within our district, and our kids typically achieve those. Um, we obviously sit down and look at uh, 
what is best for our program. And I, I think we, we have tried, number one, to make sure that our concert band is the center of our program, uh, and that's program-wide. I think if you if you lose that, I don't think I think if you don't start with a good concert band approach to things from the beginner band all the way up, I think that you're going to lose something. Uh, that's not anything against marching band or any of the uh, indoor activities that we have going on. But if we don't start with a good centralized concert band approach, then I think that we're going to lose something, and I think it will be harder harder to develop those other activities and those other facets of the program if you don't have that approach. Uh, so I think the concert band has got to be key. Learning, teaching a student how to play their instrument uh, it has got to be paramount. Um, and then moving from that and expanding that role into other avenues of, of what you think your strengths are. Uh, we're fortunate here. We have a competitive marching band that we try to... Um, do the best we can at with what we've got and uh, while still you said you use the word boundary while still setting a boundary on that you know that's not say that we're not going to reach for the stars and and be competitive with anybody out there because we are uh, but at the same time you've got to look at the boundaries and uh, really from a day we talk of going back to a, a, a director standpoint of how much time do you have and how much personal life do you want? How successful do you want to be, not just this year, but for multiple years down the road? And I think that's that's a, a way that you have you have to think long-term and not short-term in that aspect. Uh, and I think you have to provide kids with uh, positive opportunities for that. Um, I think you also have to, uh, as far as the indoor programs go, I think you have to, number one, you have to have enough interest in that uh, and enough staffing and enough um, competent people running it that you can um, that you can compete and succeed in that area um, on a consistent manner. Otherwise, it has the um, potential to take off into something that's uncontrollable. And the uncontrollable is not a bad term, but if it gets to the point where students are dictating what is done and where parents are dictating what is done, then I think we're missing the mark in that and that we've got to go back and look at it from an educational standpoint about what opportunities we're, we're providing for our students as a whole. Um, and um, I think you could apply that to any any facet of school life these days is if you get to the point where we're just offering something to offer it, and not really putting uh, any kind of thought or any kind of guidance into it, then I, I think we're missing the mark in that. I think just to do something just to do it is not uh, very educationally beneficial for anybody. So I think there again, looking at what you have and starting with a good base, a good foundation of the concert band, and then establishing that and then moving out from that, uh, little by little, and developing those programs over time, I think you will see success in that. Well, uh, Matt, thank you, thank you so much for your thoughts, man. As we approach the sixty-minute mark, just a last quick question for you: Do you do you have any final thoughts or closing advice that you want to part our conversation with today? Uh, sure. Number one, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. I'm very humbled by it. I never thought I'd be asked to be a guest on a podcast, you know. So, uh, um, I, I hope that. Um, 
I hope that I've been able to say something halfway uh, decent and have something that's halfway beneficial to somebody. Um, I would I would encourage uh, young teachers number one to reach out to mentors. I would encourage experienced teachers to take every opportunity they have to find somebody to mentor. Uh, both ways. I think that road goes both ways, and I think uh, we as experienced educators have to look at look out for our younger generation, and I think the younger generation doesn't need to be scared or hesitant to reach out to an older educa- educator and say, hey, what can I do better? How do I do this? Or how did you end up where you are and uh, build those relationships? Um, and so that's, uh, you know, that is what I've learned over time. Like I said, I've been fortunate to have a ton through my career that I still call on to this day and uh, I'm always looking for that opportunity to to help influence others as well. Well Matt I appreciate so much your time today and wish you nothing but success in the upcoming spring and uh, thanks for being a part of the show. Yeah absolutely I appreciate you having me. That's Dr. Matt Rowan director of bands for the Pearl School District in Pearl Mississippi talking with Nick Averwater on the After Hours Director's Spotlight which is presented by Amro Music a family-owned company since 1921. At AMRO, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians, and these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. And you can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.